Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about soybean diseases and we're going to be taking your calls and questions. It's It's gotten so cold and so windy in the north. Uh, I know everybody's staying indoors today and what a great time to be looking through your plans for next year. If you got any agronomic questions, 844 844- 44 ag phd hey with this soybean disease thing i was just talking to somebody about fungicides and the question came up well is there going to be enough of these three mode of action products because i mean you look at crop prices right now and a lot of guys want a premium fungicide i'm like yeah three mode of action makes a lot of sense but i said here's the thing even if let's say veltima or i shouldn't say veltima revitech delaro complete miravis neo Triva Pro, all those three mode of action products, let's say they all sell out right away. Who cares? We got plenty of ways we can make our own combinations. You could do Lucento plus either Headline or Quadris for actually less money than any of the premixes. You could do Preaxor plus Tilt or Proline or Top Guard or something, and you could still be fairly reasonable in price, less than some of the premixes. So don't get too worried about it. You can make your own three-way if that's what you really want. Perfectly fine. Uh, got lots of great options. There's going to be way more than enough fungicide out there to fill everyone's needs. It's just that if you get hung up on, oh, I got to have this three mode of action product, yeah, that one might sell out early. So you better speak for it soon. All right, uh, let's head to the phone lines. Get our first guest on. We got Kevin Matthews with us. He farms in North Carolina, works with the Extreme Ag Group as well. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. All right, we talk about soybean diseases, and I know that really varies depending on where you're at in the country in terms of what disease pressure there's going to be, what what diseases are out there. How big a deal is fighting disease in soybeans in North Carolina? Uh, depends on the location you're in. For the majority of the state, it's a big deal. We've got so much humidity off the ocean and coming from the Atlantic and then coming up from the Gulf. Um, we get um, all kinds of challenges. So you really need to be out in the field checking. And we've just learned that it's um, it's not if you're going to spray, it's when you're going to spray. And so far, the earlier we put them applications, the the better control we seem to have ideally we just don't want to see no disease in the field we would rather put our applications out there and not see any disease and and say hey we we won the battle this year you know i i uh, totally agree with you the earlier the better the timing it's really important with diseases and that's really one of the holdups i hear from a lot of farmers man I don't even see anything out there yet, and I got to spray not knowing if I'm going to have a problem or not. But like you say, more times than not, there are problems coming up. I'd rather pay a little bit of insurance money up front to make sure they don't hit me. Uh, when when you look at that, how do you time these things out, and how long do you feel like you're getting out of these products? I think we're getting two to three weeks of really good residual, maybe a little more depending on the product. But for me, if I've got a problem, I'm thinking three weeks is about the maximum between applications but how about you yeah i agree with that but i look at it a little more broad i feel like that so that three weeks of preventing that disease creates the rest of the life of that plant a much healthier life and then when we go into harvest time we get a healthier pod we have less shatter we have less issues and better grain quality so absolutely as far as control gonna keep that disease away 
I have seen two weeks all we could do. These these tri-mode action products, we seem to get about, you know, we can get three, sometimes four, depending on how the moisture is and the dew points that we have. But it's it's not just that health window that you have. It's keeping that plant healthy on throughout the season. And that's why putting it out early, in my opinion, is so important rather than being reactive we're being proactive and we're you know actually when you see disease in your field there's a lot of times the time you see it brian you know we're there we're just getting revenge you know (laughs) that's true it's definitely the story with pigweed we're definitely out for revenge kills there no doubt about that Well, when you look at these fungicides that we're using, the the good thing is we got other reasons to be out in the field, whether it is weed control or insect control or something. So oftentimes the fungicide does get a free ride along uh, or even foliar feeding. Uh, The fungicides, we we just have seen them being pretty tank mixable with just about everything else that we're trying to do. So that that is one good thing. Uh, And let me throw this one at you, too. We've we've started getting more frog eye coming up, uh, even way up into South Dakota where we're at and beyond. I I know some guys up in North Dakota had some frog eyes show up this year. We're we're just starting to learn that one a little bit. And and I know talking to uh, your buddy Matt Miles down in Arkansas, he said, you don't want to get to know that one. (laughs) It's not a fun one to play with. Uh, What what do you know about frog eye and some of these diseases that can just keep coming i you know we've been fighting frog eye here for years and um it it can really devastate the top end of that yield and just don't take that disease for granted uh it, it's a it's a sleeping giant when it comes to robbing yield and you won't realize it most people will just come back and say you know it just wasn't a good soybean year it, it just wasn't a good year and not realizing that that frog guy come in late and just hammered and lots of times if you will look in your low areas of your field where the fogs and the dew stay the longest the dampest areas you'll see it'll amaze you you'll have frog guy real heavy in that area and you'll raise the elevation two or three feet and you may not see it right in there so you really you can't just walk in the edge of the field and make a little loop and say i'm clean i'm good i don't have frog i don't need to worry about it you really got to get in there and think about your elevations of your fields and we'll go out there in the mornings and see which is still wet and which is dry that'll be your target areas that you better watch no, that's a great tip. Uh, we're talking with Kevin Matthews. He's with the Extreme Ag Group and also farms in the state of North Carolina, uh, where disease can be a big challenge in soybeans. So, Kevin, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing a little about that. And Merry Christmas to you and your family. Yeah, Merry Christmas to y'all and, and all y'all out there. Man, be be careful with this weather. It's, it's um, I know you're being friendly. You're sending some our way. We're going to see some negative numbers uh, here in the next day or so. But, goodness, y'all be careful. Well, thanks, Kevin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. 
Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. What does it feel like to get all for none? How does all the Thanksgiving turkey with none of the cooking sound? All your football team's highlights with none of the timeouts. We'll do you one better. What about all the benefits of a new Farmall utility tractor with none of the finance cost? Welcome to Farmall A-Days. For a limited time only, gain 0% financing for 48 months or a cashback offer when you invest in select Farmalls this holiday season. There's a reason they call it a Farmall and not a Farm None. Visit caseih.com slash offers to learn more about these special offers running now through December 31st. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. back you're listening to ag phd radio thanks for joining us today talking a little about soybean diseases now i know in north america we are a few months away from seeing these pop up so you got to be prepared and i know as you're making your plans for next year you've got to plan ahead for stopping soybean diseases and also just for keeping your soybean plants healthy throughout the season got our phone lines open at 844-44-AG-PHD if you have an agronomic question. But I'm going to start this segment off here talking with Camille Lambert. Uh, Camille is with FMC down in the uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri kind of area. Camille, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I've been listening to your all show for several years, so excited to be with you today. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it, it's kind of interesting, and, and I, I know some of our listeners are probably like, wait, Camille's with FMC, isn't that like capture and hero and these kind of insecticide things? No, 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 no. FMC's got some pretty great <laughs> fungicides, and and certainly when we talk about soybeans and and plant health and and so forth, right in the middle of that discussion. So where do you start, Camille? I guess in, right. in your area raising soybeans, I know disease can be a big challenge, but do you start with the plant health topic? Do you start with certain diseases? Uh, where do you begin that conversation? Uh-uh. So I really enjoy talking about soybeans. I know a lot of people in my area love to talk about corn too, but soybeans are just so interesting to me because it's still a crop that we're trying to master and figure out how do we, how do we create high yielding soybeans in an economical way. And so I think there are several factors that play into that. Um, And one of those being plant health, but you know, the time that we're planting, getting out there, planting early, making sure that we're, using a good seed treatment. I mean, it's just kind of a full spectrum thing. Um, but one of the things I've, I've really started to dial into over the last few years is the timing of the fungicide application. So we've all heard for many years, you know, spray it R3, R3, which we know what that is by this point. But the thing I think a lot of people that I work with don't dial into the most, maybe the important part of it is how many nodes are present. Um, all the soybeans we pretty much are growing now are indeterminate. And so they're going to bounce in and out of that R3 growth stage for 
you know, five, maybe even 15 days, uh, depending on growing conditions. And we need to make sure we have the proper amount of nodes present. So there's been a lot of research done um, probably over 20, 30 years that show that node 6 to 13 is where about 70% of your yields coming from. And so if you're getting out there on the early end of R3, you might not be covering all of your money nodes, so to speak. And so I think that's a really important factor that I think we got to start paying more attention to when we're making those fungicide passes. I love this discussion already. Yes. Let's talk about the nodes <laughs> present here on soybeans because we do talk about this a lot. How many nodes did you have when guys brag about yields? Well, how many nodes did you have? Well, I don't know. Right. Huh. Well, how do you? It's a question most people can't answer. <laughs> exactly. So we do encourage you to learn a little bit more about plant growth and development. I'm glad you brought that up, Camille. Okay. When, when we talk about specific fungicides, a lot of the older ones that have been on the market for a long time just don't move very much within the leaf. And I know we've seen a, a new class of fungicides come out, and I'm not just talking about SDHIs in general, but um, you've got products right. like flutriophol and bixofen and, and just some, some pretty fantastic ingredients for mobility within the leaf. How, how big a deal is that? Oh, I think it's a huge deal in both corn and soybeans. Um, there's a chart, I'm sure you guys have probably seen it, looking at the systemacy, I can never say that word, and persistence um, of all these active ingredients. And uh, a really hot topic over the last few years has been flutriophol, which is that same active ingredient that's in Zyway, which a lot of us are familiar with. Um, but it is the active ingredient in both Lucento and TopGuard EQ, which are um, FMC products. And the reason this this active ingredient is so cool is because it not only has high residual, which means it stays around for a long time, but it's highly mobile. And so that really, when you pair both of those together, is just kind of a game changer as far as um, the fungicide game goes. And so I think that's a really important um, active that we need to be thinking about putting in both our corn and our soybean programs. But then Bixofen, um, which is in Lucinto, it's also it also has um, a pretty high amount of residual, and so I think those two paired together in Lucinto are just going to be um, a top notch product. Especially if you come into my area, we're fighting frog owl leaf spot, we're fighting Cercospora, several diseases that we know we're going to get every single year. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, and that's a great point and probably a good one to, to wrap this discussion up on. You, you you have to be out there ahead of the disease, no doubt about that. But you know those diseases are coming. They're there almost every year. It's just a matter of when. Right. So being out there in front uh, will help keep your plants healthy and maximize your yield potential in the field. Uh, talking with Camille Lambert here, first time guest on Ag PhD Radio. Hope to have you back again soon, Camille. Yeah, thank you so much. You bet. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you. You too. Let's head over to southeast Minnesota. I don't know if I could drive there today, but the <laughs> phone lines are, are open, so we can we can still make the phone call. We got our friend Tim Dahl over there with Syngenta. Tim, uh, I, I'm betting it's kind of tough to drive around out there, so good day to talk about things like soybean diseases. A absolutely, right? Right in front of us, just around the corner. We're thinking about warmer days and spring planting. So it's going to keep us warm today. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I know you probably had a lot of talk about tar spot this year because your part of the state has certainly been hit with that the last couple of years. But I uh, wanted to talk more about soybean diseases today. But along those lines, if a guy is spraying for tar spot, say a couple of times because you're in a bad area, 
do we need to start thinking about what modes of action we're using and try to to use three mode of action products as much as we can so we don't burn any any single modes out? I think I think that's a a really good idea and and those, you know, premium products, the the products like Miramis Neo and Tribe Pro sure worked um work good on tar spot, but it's a it's a different pathogen and and um um you know, multiple applications. It's just really different than some of the diseases uh you know that we're used to working with so learning a lot the last couple of years that's for sure well okay let's talk about something i know you're an expert on sudden death syndrome you've got saltro and i know for guys the last few years when you put saltro on seed you just don't have much trouble with sts so what's the key there and 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 i guess what's the value proposition for the grower as well yeah yeah great subject and and um you know with with sds or any disease right uh, we don't want to just rely on on one, you know, technology or or a fungicide to control that. It's really I like to look at it, and you all do as well. I, I love listening to you talk about the IPM approach to to SDS and other diseases. Right, make sure we have good variety selection um, on the soybeans, making sure that you know we have good drainage and avoid compaction, and and all of those things can really help uh, a product like Saltrol, um, again, manage SDS and really um, get that plant off to a good start so we don't see that scorch phase later on in the year and obviously have that negative yield impact. So, Yeah, I, I tell growers that when they ask me about this, I say, okay, how often do you get SDS? And they say, well, I don't have it every year. Yeah, but you have it more times than not. And, yeah, you're making an investment with something like Saltrol, but if you have – moderate to heavy pressure with SDS one out of 10 years, you've paid for it. <laughs> so it's, it's a pretty easy return on investment to make. Uh, talk yeah. about some of the other things. We, since we're talking about seed treatments, what about this new Viantis? Uh, that, that seems pretty exciting on some of the Pythium and even Phytophthora protection it brings. Yeah, it, it's, you know, when, when I get called out to a field that the soybeans don't look good and we have those patches or those three, four, five plants in a row, that are showing some symptomology of one or the other, Pythium or Phytophthora. You know, by by fall when we get in there, the plant, soybean plant has a, you know, that ability to compensate and kind of grow over and we I lose sight of it um, and and what that negative negative impact was. But we're finding out that um, you know, there's so many different species and races of Pythium and Phytophthora that again that IPM approach we have really good um, varieties of soybeans that have, you know, different genes, for example, with Phytophthora, but we have so many different races now that, um, you know, we need that seed treatment uh, to, to really help that plant stay healthy. And that PCBX, the Viantis that you talked about, Pycarbutrozox, Easy, uh, easy for you to say, Tim, and easier to apply on the seed, I guess, than maybe to pronounce the name, but just fills in all those gaps that, that the older active ingredients like metal axle are starting to miss. Hey, Tim, we're up against a break. Hang on with us through the break, and, and we'll talk a little more. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. 
To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. CNB has a sale for you this holiday season. Save 25% on real tractors or green merchandise now through December 23rd. These products promote sustainability in ag by giving back to local programs, so get some under your Christmas tree. Go to realtractorsorgreen.com and check out with promo code CNB25. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market, claiming to improve soil health and plant development. There's a lot to sort through. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products, and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting inside the nice, warm Morton studio today instead of being outside where it's way below zero and the wind chill is scary. Uh, we're talking a little about soybean diseases today. Just before the break, we were talking to Tim Dahl over in uh, ice-cold Minnesota. <laughs> and Tim was talking just about how many different strains of Pythium and Phytophthora there are and the new... Um, new active ingredient Viantis from Syngenta filling in some of those gaps that Metal Axle and some of the older products are, are missing now. Uh, Tim, sorry I had to cut you off there. I ran into a break. Oh, that that's fine. So when, um, when we look at the seed treatment, I know you've got um, the, the new Cruiser Max Apex that's going to have that in there. Uh, and I know Viantis also ended up on a lot of corn seed around the country too. Right, absolutely. It's actually going to be um, with a lot of seed brands, um, including the NK line. Obviously, it's going to be in the Golden Harvest line, um, you know, in, in that standard package. So it's not something that a grower is going to have to ask for. It'll be, be on the seed. And then you mentioned the Cruiser Max Apex. 
it is going to be offered in that offering. So it'll have uh, the other fungicides um, along with it. So for different diseases, so really nice package. You know, getting seed off to a good start or getting young plants off to a good start is, is so important. And then of course the in-season management as well, had a lot of stresses that come up during the year. And you know, where, where I'm at uh, last year, super dry. I think a lot of the area you were in super wet last year. You just never know what kind of cards mother nature is going to deal you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had, Seems to the, the extremes seem to be the norm now, um, and then the, the the other thing on the on the line of fungicides we have uh, at my Growmore site in Janesville, Minnesota, we have um, it's called a Scanit device, and it actually um, has a little vacuum suction type apparatus, and it actually identifies spores. And uh, interesting, we had uh, about a couple tenths of an inch of rain towards the end of July. And uh, some moderate temperatures and the the spore count just exploded. So Mother Nature uh, can sit there and these diseases, these pathogens can sit there and then we get that, you know, high humidity, a little bit of rainfall, moderate temperatures and those spores just exploded. That disease can really take off really fast. That's one thing that, that we don't understand as well as we do say, say bugs. I mean, if you see bean leaf beetles crawling in your field, well, you can see them, you can count them, and it, it's pretty easy for growers to say, oh, okay, I'm, I'm up to a treatment threshold right. level now, and then you go treat. These diseases, when you start talking about spores and <laughs> these kinds of things, and right. some of the diseases we've talked about already happening below ground where you don't really see that either until it's too late, um, you just just have to plan ahead. And, and we're talking with Tim Dahl here with Syngenta. He's over in uh, southeast Minnesota and just talking about seed treatments and, and products that we're putting in the furrow and, and then also just throughout the season, just being prepared because, you know, if conditions are right, we're going to see some disease out in our soybeans. Hey, Tim, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you so much and Merry Christmas to everybody. All right, Brian, we had a, a caller and, and uh, wasn't able to hang on the line, James, from Central Ohio. He said, I'm curious wait, about... whoa, 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 whoa. We going to the Ag PhD mailbag? Oh. Well, wait. It's the mailbag! I'm like, whoa, whoa, I didn't even get a chance to talk about soybean diseases. And hey, so well, anyway. I got a soybean disease question for you. All right, this one okay, comes, fire away. comes from James over in Central Ohio. Uh, and he said, I, I got a question. You guys are talking about timing here, applying soybean fungicides. So if my beans pop out of the ground pretty fast, uh, do you put on a half rate and then follow up later on with a full rate? So, for example, do a half rate at 18 to 21 days and then followed by a full rate two or three weeks later? Or how do you guys time fungicides in soybeans? Well, I mean, you can try that. It might work for you. It just has never worked for us. So where we see response with fungicides and soybeans is in the in the reproductive stages, not in the vegetative stages. So if we're after white mold, sclerotinia white mold, we're going to start spraying a fungicide right at R1. Otherwise, if we're just after kind of general plant health and general disease in soybeans, we're going to say R2, so that'd be full flower, to first pod. So personally, as soon as I see the first pod in the field, which at that point, we aren't really technically at R3 yet. We're still at R2. To me, that's the right time to spray. And then if you want to hit it again three weeks later, fine. So that would be my suggestion. 
And like I say, though, if you have white mold, if you're worried about white mold, that's a different deal. That, we got to start at R1, first flower. We spray three weeks after that. And if necessary, we spray three weeks after that. So white mold is the worst disease you could possibly get in soybeans. And for anybody listening and you say, well, I think uh, whatever, whatever your disease you think is bad, I I mean, maybe you think frog eye is bad. No, white mold is the worst because it literally will take 100% of your yield. We have lost 100% of our yield from sclerotinia white mold. So that's the one we're most concerned about. But in Ohio, you probably, well, I know you don't have as much risk as we do here. So yeah, it's that general thing. It's spraying at R2, R3 first. And then if you want to, another three weeks or so after that. All right. Uh, thanks for the question. We appreciate that, James. And thanks for listening to the show today, too. Uh, I got this one that came in from Craig, and he said, Guys, I've got a phosphorus issue on one of the farms that I run. My soil test is showing between 11 and 15 parts per million of phosphorus, which is just way too low. I'm uh, just wondering, do you guys recommend MAP or DAP as a build? Do you recommend doing something different? I plan on incorporating whatever I put out there pre-plant. I'm going to be planting corn this coming season. If we have high pH ground, we're, we're typically going to recommend MAP, but otherwise just in all soils, um, you know, if you want, you can certainly go DAP, but I, I mean, price and availability is kind of really what it comes down to. We just prefer MAP in high pH. In low pH, if you want to go MAP or DAP, no big deal. And the reason why is just because of the pH of the product, where the MAP is lower than what the DAP is. So... And, well, anyway, I, I'm not going to go all into that, but I'll just tell you, yes, build with MAP or DAP. That'll be just fine. It's been super successful on our farm. And, yes, your soil test levels are really, really low. We've had similarly low soil test levels, and we've had great success quickly building with MAP or DAP. Hey, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. I got this one uh, from an agronomist down in Nebraska. It's from Dan. He said, hey, guys, I'm, I'm working with a farmer who had some flooding back in March of 2019. And ever since then, over the past three years, yields are getting worse and worse. Now, he does have drain tile in the ground, and he did some deep tillage, ripped it in 2020. Uh, for fertility, though, he's just been applying maintenance amounts with the high price of fertilizer. Now, he got a soil test and did a soil health analysis, uh, and I've attached those. And, and also on his yield map where he drew some lines is where he pulled 8-inch uh, cores, roughly 2 to 3 cores per line. Uh, just wondering if you guys have any idea if this is enough information for you or what other information you'd need to help oh, you figure out this? what's happening. Oh. Yep. Oh, so I was got, waiting for you to hand me something for that one. Okay. All right. So, so you got so you got a yield map there, and you marked where he pulled tests. Uh, there is tile in this ground again. And um, Okay. Well, first thing I can tell you is your potassium level is basically half of what it should be. It's really, really low. Um, 25 CEC. And, yeah, I realize a lot of people are going to say, oh, 250 parts per million on K, that's good enough. Nope, it's not because you're only at 2.5% base saturation potassium. So that's your number one problem in this particular field. Uh, I'd also say your boron's really low at 0.4 parts per million. And let's see, I'm trying to see. It's Boy, it's really hard to read. Uh, your zinc is also really low in relation to the phosphorus. So for, for everybody listening, here's where the phosphorus levels are at. The P1's at 53. The P2 is at 99. The 
the 53 or P1, that's what's available today. And what we have found in our research over the years doing comparing yields to soil tests is we need to have that somewhere around a 10 to 1, maybe a little bit less on a DTPA test. Now on a Malik 3 test, we wanted about a 5 to 1 or 6 to 1 ratio. Right now, you're at a little over a 20, let's call it a 21 uh, to 1 ratio. That's not good. So that zinc, you got to at least double that and what you got in the soil. So those are a couple of the biggest things. Could some of the bacteria, all the beneficials died in the flooding? Absolutely. Hopefully over time, things will get better. With the tile on the ground, I'm optimistic. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 10th and 11th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the two most important days you spend in your farming career, and it's free. So register now at agphd.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. What does it feel like to get all for none? How does all the Thanksgiving turkey with none of the cooking sound? All your football team's highlights with none of the timeouts? We'll do you one better. What about all the benefits of a new Farmall utility tractor with none of the finance cost? Welcome to Farmall A-Days. For a limited time only, gain 0% financing for 48 months or a cashback offer when you invest in select Farmalls this holiday season. There's a reason they call it a Farmall and not a Farm None. Visit caseih.com slash offers to learn more about these special offers running now through December 31st. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop.
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, and we are right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. So if you're inside trying to stay warm, thinking about your plans for next year, give us a call. Or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. That's exactly what Cade did. And, and Cade said, all right, guys, I had some previous questions. Thanks thanks for uh, answering those. Really appreciate that. Uh I'm, I might be putting out some ammonium sulfate and some calcium sulfate or gypsum. Uh, I just was curious, uh, would you suggest broadcasting them together, making two different apps? Uh, well, what are we trying sounds, to do with them? Well, he's, he's trying to get more sulfur out there and also, let's see, gosh, now we had to go back because we got a series of questions and answers here. Uh Base saturation magnesium is 34% in some of this, uh, so that's part of it. Uh, I know. I, he was okay, thinking it, of applying 200 pounds of AMS and 200 pounds of gypsum. Do we see any issues with putting them both out? No, it's fine. It, I mean, that's a lot of sulfur, but sure. I mean, there's no problem with that. All right. Let's talk about this 34% magnesium deal. Here's what I have found in my experience. Is it likely that if we got that magnesium down to in the range of 12 to 20%, that our yields are probably going to go up. Yep, it is. But we haven't seen this, oh, I, I lower it from 34 to 14, just as an example, and my yields go up dramatically, and I can afford to pay for three tons of gypsum or whatever it's going to take to try to flush that magnesium out. I just haven't seen that. Honestly, I'd focus on all the other things, and I'd worry about the magnesium dead last dead last. That's my experience. So I, I I want you looking at your NP and K. I want you looking at your sulfur. Look at all the individual micronutrients, adjust pH. I mean, get everything else taken care of, and then let's worry about the magnesium because most likely when you do all these other things, the magnesium is going to start to regulate. The magnesium is going to start to come down. And putting 200 pounds of AMS and 200 pounds of gypsum out, Absolutely no problem. On our farm this fall, I think we put, I don't remember if it was, I think it was 200 pounds of AMS on everything just because we figured, well, the crop pretty much needs all that sulfur for our big yields. And so then basically that gypsum and the sulfur you're going to get out of that is extra. It's not a lot. It's not going to make this enormous difference for you. But is it possible it could help you lower your magnesium from 34 to 33.9 or 33.8? Sure. So I mean, it's you're taking the slow approach. That's my suggestion. But my point here is don't spend your fertilizer dollars and and run out of money on your budget spending that on gypsum rather than on the micronutrients, the primary nutrients, the secondary nutrients. Focus on all that first. And if you run out of money, cut the gypsum rather than cutting all those other elements that are tremendously important for your crop this year. Okay, get your calculator out, Brian, uh, for the next question. And uh, for anybody listening uh, today, if you haven't done this already, download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Well, what am I calculating? All right, so uh, 75 bushel soybeans and 250 bushel corn. How much MAP and how much potash do I need if I'm going to do a two-year spread? So when we look at 250 bushel corn... That removes 62.5 pounds of K2O potassium and 87.5 pounds of phosphate. 
87.5 phosphate and 62.5 pounds grain of removal only. Okay, so we're K2. assuming we're going to leave all the grain. Okay. Yep. So that's 250 bushel corn. Then when we look at soybeans, this is you're making, this is a great radio. Yeah, right I know, here. I know, but I'm just saying you got to figure this out. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, soybeans so what, here, what phosphate 55 pounds and K2O potassium 90 pounds. Most people don't realize that soybeans remove that much potassium from the soil. That's probably the number one thing that I would say as we're talking about this whole conversation. So, so just just slightly more than 140 pounds of phosphate and slightly more than 150 pounds of K2O potassium. And we're saying DAP rather than, he's, or sorry, MAP he's rather using, than DAP. He's using MAP, MAP and okay. he's using potash. Right, and he so, said he's been doing, here we go, I'll throw this out first. Okay. He's been doing 270 pounds of MAP. Yep. And he's been doing 300 pounds of potash. So perfect. Every two years. Yep. Every two years. Yep. Perfect. Okay. So what's happening is with the K2O, you're removing 153 pounds or 152.5 every two years. And with the phosphate, you're removing 142 and a half. You take either one of those divided by the percent of actual nutrient we've got in the potash and MAP. So for example, MAP is 11.52O. So you take your 142.5 divided by 0.52, that gives you 274 pounds. He's putting on 270, so he's about right equal. So everything is staying the same. With the potash, the number is 254. He's putting on 300 pounds. So he's on a slight build program with K. But I just want to throw this out there because a lot of times these are exactly the conversations we have where it's, oh, I'm getting 75 bushel beans and I'm 250 bushel corn. Okay, that's fine. But I want you to think about what are your best spots on your farm? Are they by chance 300 on corn and 100 on beans? If so, you're falling way behind. And if so, then... What does that tell you about the future of your fantastically great spots that are making you ridiculous amounts of money today? Well, in the future, that's going to go bye-bye. So I'm trying to say here, there is a different way to do this. If you wanted to simply replace what you are removing... Darren and I have been working with a software company and we got our internal research people that have been working on this for the last year now and we're really close. I, I, we're doing some beta stuff right now, but by next summer at our field day, we're pretty sure we're going to have have a full launch on this product where, where we can go out with yield monitor maps. We're able to see what's been removed for yield. We run the calculations and then you can create variable rate maps it's amazing. So that's the first thing that I would say there. In terms of just overall P and K as well, you're holding equal. I mean, you're in a slight build with K, but not much. But my, my point too is if, okay, this is the average and we're holding even, we're holding even, but are we at good levels in our soil for P? Are we at good levels in our soil for K? Are, or are those plants running short a few days out of the year, which is thereby hurting our yield. So I'm just saying we're, this you're, you're, you're basically maintaining 
you're not improving anything if there was anything that needed to be improved. So I just want to make sure we're clear on that. Okay, what what all right, so this, this is all these questions are all from Carson down in Northwest Iowa. Oh, and these, these said, okay, soil tests. Now here's my soil test, guys. I know you're gonna probably comment about my potassium levels. Yeah. Uh, but not uh, anyway, I'm kind of curious, what do you see that I should be investing my money in first? I'm thinking about uh, putting out 25 pounds of sulfur and 15 to 20 yes. pounds of zinc sulfate this yes. spring and potentially some boron too. Uh, I'm yes. just kind of curious what you think. Yes. Okay. So there are two things out there that I talk against all the time. Number one is, oh, I can't afford to do this. Well, do you know what you can afford? If I look at these soil tests, I go, ooh, I know fertilizer is expensive today and I don't want to spend the money, but boy, if I invest in K, zinc, and boron, and quite frankly, copper and sulfur, <laughs> it'd, I'd be shocked if I didn't have a return on investment, even with today's fertilizer prices. So for our listeners here, we got a lot of K levels that are 2%, 1.8, something like that. That's way too low. You need to get that up to 4% base saturation K to maximize yield. With zinc, we're down at one part per million or less. So we were just talking a little bit ago about even with these DTPA tests that you've run here, we want roughly a 10 to 1 ratio phosphorus to zinc. Well, right now you're at a 50 to 1, 70 to 1 ratio. I mean, I'll promise you your average yield's going up if you get that zinc fixed. Sulfur, yes, you're at four parts per million, six parts per million. You gotta have sulfur. You have to have sulfur. So that's cru crucial. Your boron levels, you got a lot of 0.2. We've been able to show on our farm, We when we get our levels up to even one part per million, it's gonna help, but two or three is better with all the calcium you have in your soil. You could stand it. And then finally, copper, you got a lot of one part per million or less there too. We look at ratio phosphorus to copper, 30 to 1 is about right, so you need to get another one part per million of copper to maximize yield. Stay tuned. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market claiming to improve soil health and plant development. There's a lot to sort through. That's why we're devoting a full day to our Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Thursday, January 12th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products and we want to share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. 
And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Ag PhD Mailbag time here in the Morton Studio, so we're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com, which is exactly what Lee did. Lee said, guys, I'm in northern Wyoming in the Bighorn Basin, and I got a question for you about crop residue. How long does it take for the residue to return back to the soil as nutrients? I'm an alfalfa, malt barley, and grain corn rotation guy. Uh, following my grain corn, I'm putting cattle out there to graze the corn stalks, and I'm not bailing anything up. And I know there's some nutrients leaving with the cows, but most of it should stay in the field where it's just a maintenance diet. In the, the flood irrigated fields, I have to moldboard plow behind a high residue crop like corn so I can get the water down the water rows without plugging them up with trash and so forth. How, how long do you think it takes uh, for these nutrients to become available? Will I notice anything as far as increased organic matter from year to year on my soil tests? And uh, then he's just talking about how many nutrients could potentially be in the stalks. I'd say this uh, lead to just don't look at um, what the crop removes from the ground for for uh, the crop and the stover. That amount of nutrition isn't necessarily in the stover. A lot of it does flush back out of that stover wait, wait, before wait. the stover completely wait, breaks wait, down. Wait, what Darren's talking about there is on the Ag PhD fertilizer removal app. There, is, there are figures showing what it takes to produce the grain and what it takes to produce the stover. That's what he's saying, not to look at the entire total, because part of that is going to stay in the field, even if you are removing, let's say, the alfalfa, for example. So the only way to truly know how many nutrients are leaving the field is to test the alfalfa when it leaves, and then you would know. But anyway, in terms of how quickly does residue break down and the nutrients come back available, that depends a lot on heat and also on microbial activity. So if you're going to moldboard plow, the nutrients are going to come back pretty quick. Plus, you're going to speed the breakdown of your soil's organic matter. So the year after you moldboard plow, you're most likely going to find, oh, wow, I got a lot of nutrients available here. On the other hand, when you're in like a no-till situation and say like with alfalfa, you're leaving it out there for several years, things like that, it's very likely that you're going to build soil organic matter. 
But with alfalfa, you're taking the whole crop. With barley, I don't know if you're baling the straw and taking that off or not. But anyway, all I'm thinking about here is how much residue are you leaving? How much are you not? But yes, the, the point is, if you're working that ground with a moldboard plow, you're really going to speed that, uh, how quickly, you're, you're going to lessen the time it takes for the nutrients to come back available for you. When you aren't doing any tillage and you're in a relatively cold environment, it's going to take a longer, a much longer time for that residue to break down, maybe years even, and eventually those nutrients will come back in. One last thing, if let's say it is no-till, and the residue is breaking down. Think about where the nutrients are going. Phosphorus, for example, it's going to get taken up very well by your plant roots when it's in the range of four to nine inches deep in the soil because for most crops, that's where the majority of the roots are. Well, your phosphorus isn't going to get down to four inches deep for 100 years or more if it's not tilled in and it's left on the soil surface. So, and I'm just throwing out the 100 years. I don't know for sure if it would be 100, if it would be 50, if it'd be 500. I don't know. All I know is phosphorus doesn't move well in soil at all. So I'm just trying to say, even if the nutrients do break down and they are sitting there, they probably are not in the spot where your crop can use them, especially right away, especially if you had heavy ground, not much rainfall, and in on any non-irrigated stuff. So anyway, just some things for you to think about. Okay. Um, oh, one other part of Lee's question too is he said, can I ask specifically about nitrogen as well? I, I'm looking at my fields. I get a lot of 2% organic matter, which okay. I'm wondering in northern Wyoming, can I figure 20 pounds of nitrogen coming available? Mm, maybe. I'm, I'm raising uh, some 200 bushel corn and some 120 bushel barley here. Uh, so okay. I'm, I'm just kind of curious about that. All right. But the barley is different than the corn. And where I'm going with this is when we talk about organic matter breakdown, it's going to occur through all your growing season. Well, if the growing season, let's say that your ground freezes up in, let's call it sometime in late November, um, you could actually be raising some type of crop out there until late October. I'm not saying you're going to get much in late October, but I'm just saying there's still going to be some organic matter breakdown clear into October. Well, if you're harvesting your barley months before that, then the barley isn't able to extract all the nitrogen that was released by the soil this year. Whereas a full season corn, on the other hand, could use some of that nitrogen very late into the season in August and September. So just I'm just throwing that out. But yes, I would say for sure 15 pounds, and I'd prob I probably still would figure in a lot of years 20 pounds of nitrogen for each one percent of soil organic matter. Okay, uh, thanks for the for the questions, Lee. Really appreciate that. This comes from from Brian, who said, "Guys, I'm wondering if you have a ratio." In parts per million for potassium and magnesium, do you have any kind of goals that you're targeting with yep. potassium and magnesium? Yeah, so let's turn it around. Magnesium to potassium ratio, the best on our farm is typically two to one. In so, parts per million or base saturation no. percentage? Uh, that's uh, here. Let me pull that up to what and I've got what, here. I guess well, the reason that I'm throwing that out, and we've got the Ag PhD Soils Clinic coming up in January. You can find all the details at agphd.com. You can pre-register there. Um, one of the one of the things that we're going to be talking about at that workshop is just some okay. of the the ratios and some of the charts we've got from our farm matching up our yields to what 
what nutrient levels were at each of those yield levels. And it's been, been yeah. kind of interesting seeing some trend lines here with this magnesium to potassium thing. Yeah. So parts per million, because otherwise it's harder to figure out. So it's just parts per million, magnesium to potassium. And around two to one is typically where we're seeing maximum yield. So it was like 2019, it was unbelievably evident where all our good yields were in the range of one to one to two to one. Whereas any time we got that ratio three to one, four to one, five to one, six to one, anything like that, um, our yield just really fell off. So yeah, somewhere around two to one would be great. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, this one comes from Mickey. Uh, okay, guys, got several questions here. Um, can I band all my dry fertilizers, NPK and micros, eight or 10 inches deep in low soil to prevent tie-up? Do I need chelated nutrients? That would be another thing. Well, wait, no. Let's start with one question sure. at a time. What's your first question? Can I band all my dry fertilizers, NPK and micros, yep. in an eight or 10 inch deep strip sure. to prevent tie-up in low pH? Well, it's not going to totally prevent tie-up. Would it help a little bit with tie-up? Sure. Would it help with availability and being able to get uptake this year? Sure. So, yeah, you can absolutely do that if you would like to. Okay. Uh, then uh, do I need chelated fertilizer? Does that work no. better than others? Well, I, I mean, if you are doing it, would you have a little better uptake? Um, I don't know about uptake necessarily. Would you have a little bit better use? Maybe. So we use the chelated stuff with when we're going liquid and when we're just trying to feed the plant a lot of times with the planter. So our suggestion is if you want to run some deep band, I'd probably run dry and then I'd probably go liquid with the planter. So that way you've got some fertility right there, right away. And then I'm, then I would run more chelated type stuff. And then the dry is going to be cheaper, not chelated, and it'd be available later, deeper in the soil. All right. Then the last thing, uh, when you say concentrated band, uh, what do you necessarily mean by that? Yeah. So I'm 99% sure I answered all these questions three days ago. Yeah. I, I but, think so. I was thinking so Maybe they're just in different Yes. Form. But anyway, in terms of concentrated band, what we're talking about is if you, it, when you broadcast, you've got a, just a little bit of fertilizer all over the place. And so it's real easy for your soil to wrap around that little bit of fertilizer and tie things up. When it's a concentrated band, what we mean is, hey, we've put a, a whole slug of fertilizer in a spot in the soil. And so it's harder for the soil to interact with all that stuff and tie it up super quickly. Will it get tied up eventually? Sure. It, it, it possibly could, but it's just going to take a lot longer time. So a lot of times when we have very adverse soil conditions, that's where we really prefer banding. Not only are the plants more likely to run into it, but we have at least a little bit more time before the tie-up occurs. All right. Thanks for the questions. We really appreciate that. Yeah, I get a lot of questions around banding this year just with high-priced fertilizer and those types of things, but various soil conditions going on out there too. Uh, thanks thanks to everyone who sent in questions today. really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.